when invested in like just you know myself I never was the person to be like you know I'm gonna deny my instincts and deny my preferences and deny my fucking thoughts I was never that person I was just like if I want to fucking do something I'm gonna do it if I was gonna go and fucking be a fucking asshole being drunk somewhere that's what I'm gonna do and that was valuable to me because that's all I had, my, my identity. My identity has been like misconstrued and fucking played down upon and just like, you know, even on my own doing, you know, my own miscommunication to myself. Like, why am I doing the stupid things I'm doing? But like, you know, you do them. You can't help it, ladies and gentlemen. You just kind of do it, you know? You're there in the midnight hour. You're asking yourself, Jesus Christ, why am I falling back into the same pit that I've been falling into for the last consecutive year upon year upon year upon year upon week upon minute upon second upon moment snapshot iPhone photograph in the fucking timelines of life, ladies and gentlemen, your Facebook profile. How the fuck did I wind up back? that like a uh, minuscule round so then I started thinking to myself you know what I can't really be anybody other than myself right like I mean like isn't that a good saying? If you can't be yourself, you can't be anybody. And that's not a term like Lady Gaga would throw you in a fucking pop song. Her music's great. But what I'm trying to say is, you gotta find that within. It can't just be like a little, like, um, thing you hear on a whim, on a weekend breeze. Waddly atcha, doodly do, doodly do. Waddly atcha, waddly atcha, doodly do, doodly do. It's the simplest thing, there's nothing much to it. All you gotta do is doodly do it. I like the rest, but the part I like best is the doodly doodly do. Hello, it's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 8th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome in bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Get your shoes on up, boy. Boy, I'm going to run you ragged, boy. Drop your cocks and grab your socks, boy. I want to see nothing but assholes and elbows, boy. Boy. Fetch my rotten crop, boy. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 
18 years of service, diploma in theater arts. I've been kicked around, busted down, lifted up, elevated. I feel so much gratitude. I feel so much shit. I feel so much. I feel so much. That's the part of being an actor. You feel a lot of shit. That's the part of being a human being. You feel things. And uh, how I'm feeling these days as an actor is I get too much great feedback from the audience throughout my days as a performer. I've always had... uh, I've always had the good fortune to be on the side of the audience. I've always gotten good compliments from, you know, I remember one time I was, I was dressed up like a dog. I was dressed up like a dog in a kid's play, right? And, you know, they had me acting like a dog. I got a fucking flea collar on. I'm rolling around on the ground. Bow, wow, wow, and woof, 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 and this is how I talk. Acting like a dog and shit. And this little child comes up to me after the show and goes, You were the best. You you were the best actor in the show. I'm like, Oh, thanks, kid. And I went outside and I had a cigarette. (laughs) That little bastard really got to my heart. You know, like, those are the moments that, you know, that's when you know you're onto something, right? So I get compliments from kids for dressing up like a dog. You know, my teachers in theater school, they always gave me good feedback. I could tell, like as a performer, you can tell when people are on your side. Uh, And that sounds a little bit more personal than it should be. But you can tell when the audience is with you and you can tell when they're not. And I've always got such good feedback, such good feedback. Then it was like, it would be ridiculous for me to not pursue it. You know what I mean? Contrary to popular belief, I kind of know what I'm fucking doing over here, you know? Sure, there's, there's hiccups and bumps and shit stains along the road, but that's the thing about being a performer, you know? And the love of the audience and the love in me, my love in the art versus loving myself in the art. The fact that I love the art in me and I love the fact that I do get the good feedback from the audience, that's what keeps me chasing this dream. You know, just too fun to quit. And uh, sometimes you get funny little encounters, though, because there's always negativity. Um, As I mentioned on a previous episode, episode 60 of Jonathan Ramter on the podcast. On episode 60, I had mentioned that um, I was taking an acting class. Uh, This was earlier this year, this past January. And I was taking a Sanford Meisner class. Now, for all y'all that don't know Sanford Meisner, um, he is a renowned acting thespian coach, one of the greatest of the 20th century. He was renowned for his uh, Meisner technique, which was based upon the idea of acting as if, the magic if, to be uh, general, to be general with the description of his work. One of the things he added to the craft of acting was Sanford Meisner technique, the magic if. And that's like acting as if under uh, imaginary circumstances because, you know, there's been a lot of different tools and exercises and methods in the actor's arsenal along the road of show business. And that's the one that a lot of people, that's one that sticks out as something that, hey, you know, if you're an actor, you might want to try this out. You might want to read about it. 
uh, maybe try some of these exercises, seek out some instruction, you know, with these uh, principles in mind, right? He really kind of put a stamp on there. Sanford Meisner. I want truth, goddammit, truth. What's your motivation? I don't believe ya. You know, if you want to be an actor, you got to feel it in your gut. You got to feel it in your soul. You know, he, he spoke like that. He spoke like a fucking dying turtle or whatever. I don't know, like a turtle with cancer. That's how he sounded. Because like he, he chain smoked cigarettes his entire life, right? So he had like emphysema and he would wheeze. My name's Sanford Meisner. Uh, he, he would like talk in this little microphone that gave like this eerie echo. You know, he would, he, he, he would stick a microphone in his throat hole. He had his throat ripped out because he had like emphysema. So he would speak into this little microphone and give out this disembodied wheeze, this real disembodied wheezing sound when he would speak into the microphone and it would echo through the fucking, um, you know, amplifier. What's your motivation in this scene, young lady? Ah, bullshit! I don't believe ya! You know, you make me feel it, goddammit! You think this is a game? You think this is a fucking game? Ah! I've been teaching this acting shit for the last 50 fucking years, and I think I fucking know what I'm talking about! You gotta feel it in your gut, your soul, your heart! You gotta make me believe it, goddammit! Ah! The hell with ya! Sanford Meisner. Very inspirational. And, um, you know, definitely check him out when you get the chance to. But um, to hearken back to something that happened um, previously this year, um, I was taking a Sanford Meisner class. And um, that's a technique that, you know, people claim to be, um, you know, People claim all sorts of shit. You always have to be weary about that thing in life. People can claim to teach this and teach that, but what do they really know? So I went and I took this acting class with this teacher. She was teaching the Sanford Meisner technique. You know, some things being like the magic if, repetition exercises, things like that. If you don't know much about that, don't worry. It's not, it's not important. That's just like actor talk. Well, it's important to me in the trade of acting, but, you know, you don't need to know 100% what the fuck the magic if is, if you are listening to this. Just take my word for it. It's a bunch of hoity-toity actor shit. So anyways, there I am. I'm taking this class. And this lady, uh, you know, from the get-go, she was just condescending, uh, really trying to control me. And uh, without getting too detailed, because I don't care anymore... Just, you know, when you're dealing with somebody, you can tell that their mission is to control you. It's a strange, it's a strange need people have. And I'm sure I've been guilty of that in the past. But one thing I'm pretty proud of is generally speaking, I'm not out to control people. I, I mean, it's human nature. We fuck up. I'm sure I have some point in my life. At some point, I must have. But generally speaking, my whole thing is live and let live. You know, I've been rocking that since I was a kid. Do unto others as you will do unto yourself. That made sense to me when I heard that at Bible camp or wherever I heard it, you know, in the backseat of some pastor's uh, rutabaga. Is that a Studebaker? <laughs> yeah, Studebaker is what I wanted to say. You know, um, that's like an old car that somebody mentioned in an old film, The Graduate. 
Yeah. Dustin Hoffman goes, uh, what is, what's his line? He's talking about how this girl he met, who he's in love with or whatever, her parents conceived her in the back of a Studebaker. And he goes, oh, 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 Molly, whatever, got started in the back of a Studebaker, huh? Oh. Anyways, that wasn't the greatest impersonation. I'm just saying Studebaker came to my mind and blah, 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 blah. What I'm trying to say is, um, you know, when people try to control you, that's an odd situation. Because generally speaking, it's like, yo, just let and let, live and let live. You know, do unto others as you'll do unto yourself. Whatever, right? So that was the situation with this thespian teacher uh, this past year. I went to take her class. She was very condescending, very controlling. She wasn't really out to help me as a performer more than to, I guess, control me and in the process, gain my, uh, gain my whatever, loyalty or blah, blah, blah. Like basically trying to uh, fear and guilt me into taking her classes. Like, you'll never make it unless you do this or that or whatever. When people try to control you through fear to get what they want out of you, which is my hard-earned money, basically, right? I'll never learn anything about acting if I don't take her class or whatever the fuck, right? which was stupid to begin with because it's obvious that, uh, well, it's obvious to a person with any half a brain that she was running like a semi-cult. These people like looked up to her and fawned over her and they wouldn't fart unless she said so, right? So anyways, it was just a real eerie kind of situation, this acting class that I, uh, I took a try at. You know, I did one class this past January. And why I mention it is because um, I had sent her an email after that class, right? This was like in January. I said, oh, hi, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I enjoyed the class. Perhaps I can come back at another time and give it it another shot. Perhaps I can come back at another time, give it another shot. Then she didn't reply. She didn't reply. That sends a mixed message, right? Because as the student... It makes you question, oh, am I not wanted back in class? Now, I didn't particularly think she was a bad teacher. I didn't particularly think the class had bad value. I just thought that she was a bit controlling, and I didn't know if I could deal with that, but I was open to going back to class because it gave me the opportunity to um, to continue on with my training, right? Just to keep myself busy. But when she didn't reply to my email, that sends a strange message to the student. Well, what, am I not wanted back in class? You know, I said I'd like to come back at a later date. I wanted to see what her thoughts on that was. She doesn't respond. But I laughed to myself. I said, oh, okay. Well, that's fine because I see your game. You're a control freak. And I know what's going to happen. Because, hey, yo, I've been around the fucking uh, bush. I've been around the fucking circuit. I've joined the circus. I know how this fucking game works. And sure as shit, a couple months later, Oh, hi, Jonathan. I haven't seen you in class lately. Um, just wanted to know if you were interested in taking some more classes. Hope to hear from you soon. So-and-so. Petty little email. Was that about um, checking in to see how I was doing as an actor? 
Was that to check in to see how I was doing in my career? Uh, no, it was the vapid, vain, self-centered, egotistical um, thing that most people do in all industries when they worry about themselves. She obviously had to pay the bills. She gets to thinking to herself, oh yeah, what happened to that guy? Shit, I need to make some money, I gotta sell some classes. I know, I'll, I'll just reach out to him and see if he's interested. Had nothing to do with me. Oh, I haven't seen you in class lately. and she, had, she didn't have my intentions in mind. It's all about her. Her controlling game. Her, her, her. It's hilarious. You think I'm stupid? You think I don't see that? So, as I've matured as a human being, I figured, hey, why stretch out uh, beef? Why make beef unnecessarily? You know, I'm a pescatarian for fuck's sake, man. I don't take beef. I don't like beef. I don't eat beef. Squash the beef. So, I wait two weeks. I let her sit. I let her simmer in it, right? I wait two weeks. Then I email her back. Oh, uh, hi. Thank you very much. Uh, I've just been busy at the moment. I would Perhaps in the future I'll be able to catch a class. Thank you very much for the email. And I leave it at that. And a few months go by. And this was like about last month. So in August. Maybe this was August, end of July. I get another email. Hi, Jonathan. Um, oh, silly me. I was just looking at my records and I noticed I sent you an email um, unnecessarily updating you on the class. And it was a bit confusing. I was saying I was offering the class for, you know, X amount of dollars and what it really is. So here's what I'm going to do. Tell you what. Because of all the confusion of the emails, I'm going to offer you this limited edition chance to take my class for three easy payments. Of blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, fuck off. This corny, cheesy sales pitch, you know. Uh, because of uh, you're in a great opportunity to take this class for three easy payments. Of blah, blah, you know. And I'm just like, wow. Really? And see how funny it is when people don't respect each other and they try to control each other and how it winds up backfiring? Had she just treated me with fucking decency to begin with, I would have probably returned to the class. But no, she was controlling, condescending, and I saw that. And I'm not looking for somebody to, you know, take me under their wing and blah, 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 blah. Like, I know who I am as a performer. I don't need your fucking validation. But what I do like to do is network and... um you know, flex that muscle when I can. Give myself the opportunity to work out as a performer. But I ain't looking for you to wipe my ass. I know what I'm doing. And had she just treated me with a little bit of, um, with, the, with the basic civility you treat anybody with, do unto others as you do unto yourself, I probably would have just went back to the class anyways. But no, she didn't answer my email. And she acted all condescending. Ah, I don't need him. And then it turns out, hey, what do you know? You actually do. We need each other. That's how you get ahead in life. You make connections. You treat others the way in which you like to be treated. And, you know, through that, things evolve. But hey, whatever. That's her fucking bag of tricks. That's her fucking problem. I don't give a shit. And uh, here I am. Uh, 18 years of service as an actor. Do definitely check out episode 60 of Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast. If you want to hear me tear up her class, I fucking... <clears throat> it's actually a pretty funny episode in terms of acting and uh, some of the ideas behind acting and what happened in her class. So you can definitely check it out. Episode 60, the acting class. And um, 
also um, episode 89 of Jonathan Ramchand and the podcast. I speak a little bit in depth on um, acting and its various styles. So there you go. Food for thought. Episode 60 and episode 89. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor. I am also an alcoholic. Yeah, which I'm sick of being. I'm sick of being an alcoholic. I want to be a bottle baby. Baby drunk. Baby drunk. I want to be a bottle baby. I heard that term once um, in, like, I'm a big fan of old-time radio, gumshoe detective, like that seedy underworld of the crime uh, genre, film noir, things like that. And, um, you know, I was listening to this detective radio play from, like, the 1940s, right? And they're describing this alcoholic, right? Yeah, I walked into the joint. There he was, sprawled out on the couch, yeah. He was a real lush, yeah, real bottle baby. <laughs> you fucking bottle baby. Because I'm sick of being an alcoholic, you know? It's like, you could take the power away from things. Um, not that I'm looking to take away the power. And actually, coming out of my mouth saying those things just now, that just sounded stupid to me. I'm not looking to take the power away from being an alcoholic. Or take the power out of the word alcoholic. Um... On a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, I am proud to be an alcoholic because it taught me like no other thing could. That's the gratitude. Like, I didn't have teachers um, in terms of, I didn't have any role models, no, nobody that stood out in my life as a guiding force. There was Jesus, of course, you know. I love me some Jesus, but there was no, nobody made a difference in my life. I didn't have an older brother or like I had an older sister but like this is getting too personal basically speaking nobody stood out in my life as a role model nobody taught me how to just be a decent person or a person or anything how to deal with the fucking whatever of life it was just like yo I felt like James Brown I was born in New York City on a Monday Seems by Tuesday noon I was shining shoes. I feel I feel like that, man. I was born into this world on a Monday. Seems like by Tuesday I was shining shoes. No fucking nothing. Just strap on your helmet and get in there. Figure it out, fuckface. And alcohol taught me like no other thing could have. And that's the gratitude a lot of recovering people come to. And um, there's a bell ringing in the background. But that's the recovering thing that a lot of recovering people come to, that conclusion, because it taught me like no other. So while I'm not trying to distance myself from the name alcoholic, you know, in regards to the things I just spoke on, that's why I do find a pride in being an alcoholic, a recovering alcoholic. But I'm also just sick of the term because it's like, I am an alcoholic. It's just like, well, I'm also a bottle baby. Lush, low down, filthy, rotten, good for nothing bottle baby. You know, just trying to shake it up a little bit, you know. Find a little bit of love in the uh, dark crevices of life. 
And what I'm working with right now as an alcoholic, what I'm trying to remind myself is uh, one of the sayings that we have in recovery is we seek progress over perfection. And I mentioned in a few previous episodes I was feeling a little bit low. And um, to be honest with you, while I do find alcoholism taught me like no other teacher could have, the truth of the matter, too, is there's a lot of guilt, remorse, shame, humiliation. And there's not a day that goes by that that I don't feel some sense of remorse, regret, guilt for who I was in the past. There's not a day that goes by that I don't find myself questioning, questioning the choices I've made in my life. But you know what? We seek spiritual progress rather than perfection. You know? God, grant me the serenity to... <laughs> God, grant me the serenity not to be a... Stu- That's all, folks. Why do I stutter so goddamn much? Because I'm thinking very fast. And I'm a little bit worked up from this coffee that I'm drinking. And plus, I kind of find it funny, too. Like, you know, stuttering. But anyways... There's a little fucking prayer that I writ for you, girl. There's a little prayer that I say sometimes that we say in recovery. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. We seek spiritual progress over perfection. That's being a bottle baby for you. Jonathan Ramcharan, bottle baby. I am also a janitor, you know, pushing mop buckets. <laughs> then, you know, you get your mop. <laughs> you know, you're mopping floors and, you know, washing windows. Tss, tss. Washing windows, um, you know, pushing garbage trolleys. You know, pushing garbage trolleys. So um, there's a wide array of expertise in the janitorial custodial trade. Um, I've been blessed to do that. It covers a lot of my bases, a lot of my needs, and some of my wants. It keeps me in the game of performing. On one hand, I got a lot of gratitude for it. And on the other hand, I don't give a boomba clot, your ras clot, don't give a blood clot, fuck. On the other hand, some days I just want to kill the whole office, go postal. Oh my god, he's got a gun. (laughs) And uh, that would be something I would never do, but some days I just truly fucking hate it, Um, to be honest with you. Um, And it's never the job. It's always. Yo, when I took the job of janitor, I understood, well, there's going to be days when you're head first in a urinal. There's going to be days when you're sweeping up vomit. There's going to be days when you're, you're mopping a toilet. Like, I understood it was filthy, dirty work. But on the other hand, it doesn't remind me of anything. You ever hear that song by Audio Slave? doesn't remind me. It's a song where he just lists off all these stupid things that doesn't remind him of anything. And that's kind of what I need to do in terms of a day-to-day job. 
yo, I got shit going on in my head all the time. I'm a performer. I'm an artist. I'm trying to do my own thing. I'm trying to become my own man, my own person. So you can buy my body. You can hire me to physically do a job, but you can never buy my mind. At least for now. You know, maybe when I become really washed up, <laughs> when there's no hope in hell of a career for me, maybe then I'll sell my mind, you know, or oh, whatever. You want to teach me how to f- do this or that? Like, but until then, I'm not thinking about anything other than what I'm trying to create, right? So it's never the work that bothers me about a job. It's always the people getting in your head, reminding you of things, reminding you. You're in jail. You're in jail. Hello, I just wanted to check. Are you home? Just wanted to remind you, you're in jail. Hey, it's me knocking on the door of your brain. Just want want to remind you, you're in jail. You're trapped here eight hours a day, nattering at you, bothering you, talking to you for no fucking reason. Hello? Hello? Are you there? It's me, the stupid person that's not your boss, not your coworker, nothing to you, but somehow, for some reason, still needs to talk to you. Hello? There's always some fucking idiot babbling at you. You ever notice that? Wherever you go, and definitely at work, up in your fucking head. So, you know, that's what was going on at work this last couple days. Um, And, yo, like, on one hand, I want to go into a bit about it. And on the other hand, it's just like, yo, I just, I'm trying to elevate my mind and my game. So it's like, do I really want to write bits about stupid people being stupid? Or just take my fucking word for it. People are stupid. Do I have to write a fucking joke about it? Or do you understand what I'm saying? People are stupid with fucking major fucking mental problems and anxiety problems. And they take all that shit into the workplace and they try to fucking shove it on you. They try to shove it on you. Um, you know, I... I was, I was pushing my garbage trolley, pushing my garbage trolley through, the, for through, through this office, collecting the garbage in the garbage bins. There are designated garbage bins on the office floor. So I change all the garbage bins, and uh, I thought that would be the end of it. You know, um, I was sent there to change the garbage bins. Um, I changed the garbage bins, and... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know, uh, self-explanatory, right? Eh, wrong. Well, I mean, wrong in some demented, moron, uh, anxiety-ridden, fucking, uh, sadistic fucking retard. Maybe wrong in their head, but in my head, I was right. I mean, I was sent to change the garbage. I changed the garbage. Now I'm going to leave. So I'm pushing my garbage trolley, right? Pushing my garbage trolley, and I'm, I'm, I'm about to exit the, uh, the floor. All of a sudden, this lady, and she's always trying to get my attention. You know those people that are always trying to control you? Those people who are always trying to control you from afar? I got a question for you. I'm checking up on you. I'm micromanaging you. I'm poking on your business. Um, hello? Hello? Are you over there? I just feel like talking to you for no fucking reason. I have something I want to say to you for no fucking reason. I'm not your boss. I'm not your girlfriend, your wife, your co-worker, nothing. Just going to talk at you for no fucking reason. I want your attention. Excuse me? Um, excuse me? Can I have your attention? Why? Why do you want my attention? 
How depraved are you and fucking pathetic are you as a person that you just want people's attention and to bother and natter and badger at people for no blood clot, boomba clot fucking reason? Um, excuse me, um, um, sir, sir? She could tell I was having a good day, right? I had my headphones on, I was listening to podcasts. She could tell, you know? Oh, he seems to be having a good day. Let me annoy him. Um, excuse me, sir, um... Um, excuse me? I look at her. Yes, uh, sir, um, can I give you my garbage? Can I give you my garbage? And I was just like, uh, no. And I just opened the door and left. Can I give you my garbage? Um, yo, garbage goes in the garbage. Am I a garbage collector or a garbage fetcher? I'm not going to come over to your desk and fetch your fucking garbage. Why don't you get your ass up and put the garbage in the fucking garbage like everybody else, princess? Or, um, I don't know, eat it. Shove it up your cunt, whatever the fuck you got to do with it. But don't badger me with this fucking nonsense, right? So then I was just like, no. And I left. And how poetic. How ironic, how, um, you know, fitting her words, can I give you my garbage? Because that's exactly what she was trying to do. Give me her garbage, her emotional garbage. She's a professional, professional businesswoman. Dress, cardigan, heels, lipstick, eyeshadow, you know? She's in a professional building. She's at a desk. She has a computer. You know? She's a professional businesswoman. What is this pressing business that you have to holler at a lowly janitor across a crowded office floor? Excuse me. Excuse me, sir. Can I give you my garbage? What's the rush? What's the urgency? Don't you have a job? Don't you have pressing matters? Aren't you being paid for, you know, work? Why are you preoccupied with what the janitor's doing? Oh, I see. Because you're trying to give me your garbage. Your emotional fucking garbage. Your emotional baggage. Your emotional bullshit. And that's something I deal with as a, like I mentioned, recovering bottle baby. As a recovering alcoholic, substance abuser. It's like, where's the line? Where's the line of patience and tolerance? Do unto others as you will do unto yourself. And um, where's that line of patience? And where's that line of um, independence? Where's that line of standing up for yourself? And um, I'm feeling more like to hearken back to that. We're striving for spiritual progress over perfection. Um, I don't like to have to be mean to people. I don't like to have to be blunt with people. But sometimes, that's the only way people learn. I've seen this lady around. Every time she sees me, blah, 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 blah. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. She's always babbling at me and badgering me. She's trying to control me. She's trying to get my attention. She's trying to impose upon me for whatever fucking reason. Does this make any sense to the logical person? 
I'm the janitor, she's the businesswoman. Why don't you go do whatever business it is you need to do and let me change the fucking garbages in peace? Why are you talking to me? Because of what you think? Because of what your opinion is? I have to put up with your bullshit because of what you think? I don't have to. And the proof of the matter is, the proof in the pudding, the proof's in the pudding. Because I basically told her off and walked out. I said no and walked off and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Do you know why? Because she didn't have the power to begin with. Just talking for no fucking reason. And, you know, I don't like to have to be mean and blunt, but sometimes that's the only way people learn. You got to put down the hammer, drop the hammer on them. Like, okay, like I tried every tactic. I tried avoiding her. Like I didn't, I didn't go by her desk. I always know that if I go by her desk, she's going to say something to me. So I don't go by her desk. I tried, you know, not making eye contact, you know. She's a 55-plus-year-old woman. Are you not picking up on the signs that I am avoiding you? I am not making eye contact with you. Those are signs that any logical adult should be able to decipher, oh, this person doesn't want to speak to me. This person doesn't want to do anything to me. What does she do? She presses anyway. Um, excuse me. Um, excuse me. Okay, so now I'm dropping the hammer on you. No. No, no, no. No, I'm not going to do what you want. I don't care what you have to say, and I'm going to turn my back on you and walk out this door. Bye. And that's what I did. And there's no repercussion. Why? Because I'm right. So, um, uh, no grudges, no resentment at all. Like I said, I love being a janitor, you know? Clean up, piss stains and stuff, vomit. I love it. But these are the things I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And... You know, what I'm learning as I'm seeking progress over perfection, progress over perfection, what I'm learning is, you know what? I can't be perfect and I can't reach everybody, you know? Sometimes being polite and unimposing to people is not enough for them. It's not enough that I do my job, I'm quiet, and I keep to myself. It's not enough for her. What she thinks is, okay, let me badger this guy for no reason. Let me impose upon this guy for no reason. It's, 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 it doesn't matter to her that it's none of her business what I'm doing. She's not my boss. She's not my coworker. That doesn't matter to her. She's an unreasonable person. And I can't be perfect. I, you know, I avoided her. I was quiet. I kept to myself. A couple times she asked me to do little tasks there and there. I did it. But now it's like, okay, well, she's obviously wanting to pick at me. So now i got to drop the hammer. i got to let her know in no uncertain terms, No. Don't talk to me. And like I said, I'm just going to keep on mopping those floors. <laughs> mopping floors, uh, washing windows. <laughs> just going to keep on doing that shit, keep it on my grind. It's taking care of my needs. It's taking care of some of my wants. And day by day, I go further and further along on the journey to self-discovery. So there you have it. Jonathan Ramcharan, janitor. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Ten years of experience. I want to share with you now a little clip of me on stage. Yup. Don't get used to it, though. This is a clip of me at an open mic last year. Um, 
These are jokes that are still in progress. They've come along quite a ways, and I had a good set this night. So I thought I'd share it, give the listeners a little taste of uh, me in action. So this is a clip of me doing stand-up comedy at an open mic last year. Good evening, everyone. How the hell are you? So, uh, you know, um, I'm a black man. Yeah. One um, happy exclamation there. That's nice. You know, usually there's some nervous, like, glares when I say that. (laughs) But, you know, I'm actually actually a mixed uh, black man. Uh, My mother's West Indian, you know, so I got, like, some Indian heritage in me. So I actually had the opportunity to um, really connect with like a side of my heritage that I, I hadn't really done ever in my life. Fortunately, it came at the hands of a racial slur, but um, you know, still fulfilling nonetheless. You know, like I say, I'm, I'm mixed, right? Hey there. Oh, the child. <laughs> But, um, so like I say, like my mother, you know, growing up, <laughs> um, you know, she's like, um, you know, she was like an Indian lady, right? So I remember one time we were like watching Maury Povich or something, right? Like, these black kids having all these babies, and like all these random babies and stuff, like caring for their kids and shit. My mom's like, this is despicable, you know? As a black woman, I'm like, Mom, you're not black. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And one time she caught me doing the Macarena. You know? It was 1996, I was doing the Macarena. <laughs> I was in a good mood for once, you know? Most black men aren't in good moods, right? You fucking disgruntled bastard, right? But like, I was doing the Macarena. My mom, she's like... She's like, you know, you dance like a white man. I was like, what? What? She goes, okay, okay, you're black, Jesus. Now go to your room, you know? Scared the hell out of her, right? But anyways, you know, um, back to this racial slur as an Indian man, first time, right? I'm at a show, right? I'm doing this joke, right? And there's this French guy in the audience, and he pipes up, right? Sacre bleu! You motherfucker! Who the hell you son of a bitch? Sacre bleu! All I did, all I fucking did was I told a joke about Justin Trudeau. I said, Justin Trudeau, bit of a white noodle. And his mom fucked Mick Jagger. His mom fucked Mick Jagger. Wasn't my fault. Wasn't my fault. 1968, people are doing heroin, smuggling heroin at the Horseshoe Tavern, whatever. Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones, Justin Trudeau's mother. Apparently, I didn't hold his cock whilst he sucked it. I just made a little, I made a little joke. The French will rise again! Oh, 
Frenchman, right? Well, shut up, you baguette! Why'd you pipe down, you fucking baguette? <laughs> I didn't say that. I wish I did. But that's such a you fucking baguette. <laughs> that would have been a good one, right? So, so then I leave the show, right? He's on the porch, right? He's like, that's fucking Indian, motherfucker! that I wanted to fight Justin Trudeau, you know? <laughs> I just think he's, he just rubs me the wrong way, you know? That soppy, mothball, Clayton voice of his, you know? You know? You know? You know, I think what really got me was that time when, um, he started blubbering like a baby when Gord Downey died, you know? He was on the news, you know? With great regret and pain. That my friend, my lover, Gordon, he passed away. It's like, I shut the hell up. You know? Crying. I, I cried that day, too. I was working at a construction site. Went in the corner, cried like a fucking man. <laughs> That's a thing that men do, I don't know. But, like, you know, he's on, he's on TV blubbering like a hormonal, hormonal fanboy, you know? Disgusting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Ramp. Thank you very much. <laughs> And there you have it. That's a sample of me doing stand-up comedy, working on my bits, working on my act. And uh, where I am today is I feel very blessed, very fortunate to be, you know, doing what I set out to do. Since the age of 14 years old, I said I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be, and later on down the line, I wanted to be a comic. And uh, that's what I set out to do. And here I am doing it and I'm grateful for the opportunity and uh, I'm just going to be focusing on elevation getting myself to the next level and uh, enjoying the ride so there you have it Jonathan Ramcharan actor alcoholic bottle baby janitor stand-up comedian so welcome to the show I went to the zoo yesterday Yeah, I went to the zoo. Well, not quite. Let me tell you about it. So, as I mentioned, I'm a janitor. And uh, some of the blessings that uh, we get little treats here and there. And um, our company kind of uh, coughed, up a little <laughs> coughed up a little zoo fund. So, I guess employees were welcome to attend the zoo, the Toronto Zoo, free of charge. And... Um, you get a little voucher for a coffee or a donut or whatever the fuck, you know, a food voucher. So it was a nice little um, treat for the janitors and the custodian workers. And uh, yeah, I was on board for it. So I signed up. So I take the trip out to the zoo. This was yesterday. I was on the bus. It's like an hour and 45 minute bus ride to the zoo. Get to the zoo. And I'm just feeling kind of apprehensive. And I, uh, I don't know, just, mm, just something's not sitting right. I pick up my ticket. Um, I stand in line. I get to the cashier. Hi, welcome to the zoo. Uh, thanks. I give her my ticket. She gives me a pamphlet, like a little map of the zoo. I walk through the gate 
I take a look around. I look at a recycling bin. I go dump the map into the recycling bin, turn around, and walk out. I was at the zoo for 10 seconds. I took an hour and 45 minute trip to the zoo, got to the zoo, didn't see one animal, was there for 10 seconds, threw the pamphlet in the garbage, and walked out. The only animal I saw was, I saw the Canadian uh, goose, the Canadian goose, there was some Canadian geese, goose, in the parking lot, and, uh, you know, I saw one, it had a fucking crab apple in its mouth. (laughs) Things are fucking adorable, it had a fucking crab apple in its mouth. The cry of the Canadian goose. Saw a Canadian goose with a fucking crab apple in its mouth. That's the only thing I saw at the zoo. I just turned around and left. Now, yo, sometimes you just gotta go with your gut. Sometimes in life you just gotta go with your gut. I don't like to be condescending. Um, I just don't believe in zoos. I'm the kind of person that I go out and I do things, you know. It's kind of pricey to go to the zoo. An adult ticket for the zoo, and the adult age starts at 13 in zoo prices. (laughs) Apparently, you're considered an adult at 13. When you turn 13, you're considered an adult at the zoo. Is that in animal years? Is that in fucking, um, you know, pent-up fucking tiger years? But anyways, at age 13, you're considered an adult at the zoo. So the the adult fare at the zoo is $30. The tickets are $29 to attend the zoo, which is kind of pricey. But, like, obviously I can afford $30. That's never what held me back about going to the zoo. The hour and 45-minute trip is not what held me back from going to the zoo. I actually enjoyed it. The best part of the day was just going on the bus ride. I like bus rides, staring at the window, staring out the window, staring at people. I like bus rides. But what was always so apprehensive to me was I don't believe in zoos. You know what I mean? Like the idea of caged animals on exhibition for my enjoyment. Like, And like I said, I don't like to be condescending. Like a lot of zoo attractions... A lot of uh, zoo captors or captives, a lot of captives at the zoo, these um, captive animals, they're there because they were, um, it's almost like a sanctuary to them. They were being hunted in their homeland and maybe they were injured, maybe they were endangered. And that's how a lot of zoo animals do get uh, procured, as far as I know, as far as I think. I could just be making that up. But that's what I heard. I heard something like a lot of zoo animals come from troubled backgrounds, you know, they had a rough childhood, they were rebellious little teenagers and shit, started smoking on the wild plains of Africa at the age of 12, you know, some cheetah, (laughs) smoking a cigarette, everybody else is running around and getting Cheetos commercials, this cheetah's like smoking cigarettes, (sighs) you know, rebellious, so he winds up finding himself in a group home, and then he, he winds up moving into a zoo, turns his life around, so like, there's, there's different aspects of being a fucking zoo captive, You know, they're not all there illegally or, you know, with some darkened reason or past. Some of them are just trying to move on with their life. I understand that. So I'm not trying to be condescending towards people who go to zoos. But just something in me is just not down with it. I knew it from the beginning. Because like I said, 
30 bucks isn't going to hold me back from something I wanted to do. And I'm the kind of person that likes to go out and do things. I like going to festivals, fairs, art exhibits, galleries, museums. I like to go and shake it up. And it had crossed my mind in the past. The zoo. I even used to work at a zoo. When I was a young and when I was like 20 years old, I worked at a zoo. And uh, oddly enough, as a janitor, <laughs> the first day at the zoo, um, my manager, she goes, ah, Jonathan, come here. I got something to tell you. Uh, yeah, somebody made a mess in the men's bathroom, Jonathan. I, and you're going to go check the bathroom, Jonathan. So I go into the men's room and somebody had shit. <laughs> somebody had shit on the floor. Unfortunately, it was a person with a mental disorder, you know, uh, you know, mental disability. <laughs> he shits on the floor. So, you know, I wad up a bunch of uh, paper towels. I put on some latex gloves and I pick up this shit log. <laughs> and I throw it in the trash bin. I threw it in the recycle bin, I think. Anyways, um, you know, and I wash my hands and no big deal. You know, it's no different than picking up dog shit when you really think about it. What's the fucking difference? Dog shit, retard shit, it's all the same shit. So <clears throat> I go out and, um, you know, after I cleaned up, my manager, she goes, You know something, Jonathan? You're going to fit in real good around here. So that was my introduction to the zoo. So I've been to zoos plenty of times. And, you know, I was thinking about going to the zoo, but I was always, that's why I was so apprehensive. I'm like, you know what? I've moved away from the zoo. I've passed the point of wanting to be at zoos. I just, in my heart, I don't believe in the zoo. I think it's kind of cruel to have animals on display. And I knew that in my gut. And that's what kept me away from zoo, zoos for years, you know, people shitting on floors, caged animals. It just didn't seem something like I wanted to do. Well, it all hit me in full force when I got to the zoo yesterday. I just walked through the front gate Took a look around, was there for 10 seconds, threw the pamphlet in the recycle bin, walked out the exit. Didn't see one fucking animal. Aside from the Canadian goose in the fucking uh, parking lot. The crab apple in his mouth. And on my way home from the zoo, oddly enough, um, <laughs> ironically, um, you know when you're sitting on a bus, um, sometimes there's glass dividers, you know, to partition from one area to the next. So I'm sitting, um, I'm sitting by the, the back door and there's like this glass partition and, you know, people getting on and off the bus from the back, um, they, they can lean against this glass partition, right? And so I'm seated in front of this, behind this glass partition. All of a sudden I get this wafting stench of fucking marijuana. I call it a stench because like I said, I'm a bottle baby, recovered uh, substance abuser alcoholic so I get this wafting stench of uh, marijuana and I look up and there's this fucking disheveled looking stoner homeless man and he's leaned his face up against the glass partition he's like peering at me from behind the glass this homeless man he's just wheezing and staring at me staring at me from behind the glass I'm like wow I guess I made it to the zoo after all. Kind of ironic. Kind of fitting, you know? Isn't that what we all are? Just peering at each other from the glass? <laughs> but hey, you know, um, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. What do you think about zoos? Are they cruel? 
Are they unfeeling institutions of pain and captivity? What is our responsibility to the planet, to our fellow animals? Please do hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. An exciting, exciting, no, an interesting article, interesting news this week in the world. Um, Two deaths linked to vaping. Now, vaping is uh, the term used for electronic cigarettes. Now, this is an article from the Saturday Sun, September 7th, 2019. These are little bits and pieces from the article, information. U.S. health authorities on Friday said two Americans had died from lung illness that was possibly tied to vaping. This brings the total count of such deaths to three as officials probe whether a cluster of lung illnesses are linked to e-cigarette use. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC said the total count of confirmed cases of illness linked to vaping remained at 215, the same as its update last month. So those are the figures. Um, Three vaping-related deaths and 215 vaping-related lung illnesses, cases of lung illness. 215. 15. And... uh, Yeah, 215, that's a big number of illnesses. Three, that's a lot of deaths related to vaping as of late. And it gets you thinking. I mean, this all harkens back to the fucking cigarette, cigarette era of the 1940s, you know? Four out of five doctors recommend camel cigarette smoking. Smooth, easy on the lungs. Like, people used to lie to each other back in the day, back to the society, lie to society rather, about um, cigarette use. Doctors would say, oh, this cigarette brand is the best one, that cigarette is the best one, knowing full well that it all causes cancer, lung disease, heart disease. And why would vaping be any different? It's been stated plenty of times, there is no long-term evidence to suggest what the effects of vaping are. And if we learn anything from cigarettes... It can't be that good, you know? The writing was on the wall, folks. We need to pay attention to this. It's affecting the youth. Um, A lot of youths are out there using, um, you know, electronic cigarettes, you know? Sugar sticks, you know? Fragrant uh, burners, you know? The youth. And um, I remember I used to vape. I used to have a vape pen, smoking electronic cigarettes. I used to do that. I remember, like, this was back in my drinking days, back when I was a bottle baby. I fucking was, uh, I got smashed one night and I was vaping, right? Was vaping all night. In the morning, I woke up. I had this, I had this really, uh, like, I, I, I felt like I had, like, oil in my lungs. Like, this caked on real gross feeling in my lungs and that's when it hit me I'm like yo this shit cannot be good for you and uh, I I immediately stopped doing it 
it gave me a real, I felt like I could hardly breathe. Like it, it was a real fucked up feeling. I felt like there was like something caught in my lungs. Like, a, you know, it definitely did not feel good. And um, I think that's important to bring attention to. Um, you know, vaping. It's a danger. There's no, there's no, I mean, this is the closest we've, now we're starting to see some feedback on what vaping leads to. This is like, you know, the beginning. And I hope, I hope uh, the awareness gets out there and people, um, you know, move away from it because it's definitely not a healthy thing. Again, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. You have any questions? Well, not questions. Well, maybe. Yeah, don't send me your questions. I don't fucking. I can't. I can't answer them. I'm not a fucking dentist. I'm not a doctor. I don't know anything about vaping. But you know, if you have any whatever feedback, you want to talk to me about something, hit me up. Jr. the podcast at gmail Let me know about your vaping concerns. And uh, you know, moving forward, uh, just continuing on with the stand up comedy continuing on keeping it real and um you know continuing to keep the anxiety down that's something that i'm striving for as always anxiety you know there's all sorts of things going on in the world everybody's dealing with world issues everybody's dealing with personal issues health issues issues and you know anxiety is basically fear. And fear can stem from all sorts of different things. And what I'm trying to do is manage my fears, manage my anxiety. Because a lot of times we get bent out of shape over nothing. I was doing laundry today, up and early. Up at the crack of dawn doing laundry, like a good old boy. And there's this fucking couple... I always bump into them at the laundromat. They always come in all... <laughs> they got this fucking hell-bent look on their face. And, <laughs> I gotta get here, I gotta get this... It's like, we're the only ones here. There's literally a dozen free... There's literally a dozen machines free and available. A dozen washing machines. A dozen dryer machines. There's no need for all this anxiety. <laughs> People say that Minds can wander. The mind can tend to wander during sex. Can you believe that? One of the most enjoyable pastimes, fucking, the mind wanders, right? So if people's minds wander during sex, why are these people 110% focused on laundry? (laughs) All the anxiety in their face... (laughs) hell-bent and focused on laundry, yet, you know, when people fuck, they're not even paying attention. What is going on in your life? Calm down. Have more sex and fucking concern yourself less with this fucking laundry situation. You people are out of your fucking mind. When I'm doing laundry, I'm not thinking of anything. My mind's bouncing around on Pluto, you know. I'm out to fucking lunch, you know. So think about it, ladies and gentlemen. More fucking, less anxiety. Hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 8th in the year of our Lord, 2019. 
vaping. What do you think about it? Zoos, captivity, animals' rights. What do you think about it? The podcast, what do you think about it? What do you think about some of the things you're hearing on the show? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on YouTube. Like, subscribe, comment. You know, hit me up with a comment on my podcast site, jonathan-ramtran.com. Hit me up. Talk to me. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen. You live it, you love it, you realize it. I. Peace.